Turn this morning to the book of Acts. We're going to be in the book of Acts this morning. And for our text, we're going to look at three verses uh, in this book. I'll refer to several others this morning throughout the message. But we're going to begin, first of all, in the book of Acts chapter number 19. Uh, so if you want to find Acts chapter number 19, uh, we'll read one verse of Scripture uh, there. Then we'll look in uh, chapter 23 and chapter 28 as well. And I've already uh, been blessed by being in church. It's always a blessing uh, being around God's people, a blessing uh, the music, the, the hymns that we've sung. And so we look forward to the Word of God now. The Lord gave me this thought uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, pressed upon me to preach it this morning. And uh, certainly next week we kick off in our building campaign and uh, we're going to need to keep this truth in mind. Uh, throughout, say, so how long is that building campaign going to last? Oh, just about a decade or so. There's no, 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 no don't stretch it too far out. But um, I'm thankful for the opportunity God has given us. And uh, so, as a church, this is a principle that we need to keep in mind. Uh, but as individuals, this is certainly something that will help us. One thing: uh, yesterday, I turned 47 years of age. I know I look awesome for 47, and uh, nobody told me that. I'm just declaring it. I'm claiming it this morning. And so, uh, uh, but uh, in my 47 years, there's some things that I have learned to be universally true. First of all, this book is always true, uh, but this is the point I'm trying to make. Life is challenging for everybody. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. And a child of God, we are blessed because we know we have a Savior, as Mrs. Stanley just sung. And I'm not going to face anything by myself. Uh, one, God has given us all a church to be a part of. And aren't you thankful for a church family? Uh, but if I did not have a church family, I would have Him. I would know that my Savior is with me. I, I mean this in as sincere way as I possibly can. I feel sorry for those who do not know the Lord. Because their eternity, first of all, and it, our mind cannot comprehend uh, what it would be like to spend eternity paying for our sins. Uh, but even in this life, as we face challenge after challenge after challenge, uh, during this whole pandemic thing in 2020 and all the political upheaval, uh, one thing that keeps God's people from losing their sanity, or should keep God's people from losing their sanity, is the fact that we have a word, the Word of God that keeps us anchored. We have a God that is in control. Uh, we'll face nothing by ourselves. This is an important principle I'm going to preach on this, this morning uh, that should help us as we look into the life of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was an amazing, amazingly used man. I, know, I don't believe there is any man uh, who has ever been used like the Apostle Paul has been used. And certainly we know uh, his testimony, I've preached from it many times, how he was a lost man who was a church persecutor. Uh, what did he do? He, he persecuted God's church. He closed church doors. He threw Christians in jail. He had Christians uh, uh, murdered and, and killed. And yet he met the Lord and he was never the same after he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. And then all the fervor that he had used to fight the work of God, he used in the work of God. Let me just say, this isn't the message this morning, let me just say, you, you don't have a testimony like uh, I'm thankful I have, that I was saved at a young age, grew up in church, uh, maybe you were saved later in life. Use the time you have to put everything in serving God with the days you have. Uh, the Apostle Paul is a great illustration of how God will use you. 
we look at somebody who is used like the Apostle Paul, and even though Paul tells us, and it's recorded in God's Word, that this was not the case, I think sometimes because we see the victories Paul had, we just assume that, well, everything went pretty well for him. And he never had days of discouragement. You realize that? You're the only one who's ever had a day of discouragement. As I preached last week in, out of Jeremiah, Jeremiah the prophet who actually wrote out a resignation, but yet he didn't quit. He continued on. And this morning, I believe there's a great secret here that I think will be a help to us. Acts chapter number 19 and verse number 18. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found that 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. God is doing something in our text. The Apostle Paul is seeing the power of God. He's seeing the results of ministry. That leads us to verse 21. And these things were ended. Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. Don't miss this. Paul saw what God did in this place. He said, I want to see God do this in other places. He said, after I go through Macedonia, I'm going to stop in Jerusalem. Then Paul set his eyes, his heart, on the big prize. I must also see Rome. This was not his bucket list of vacation travels. Rome, in a secular description, was the center of the world at that time. Rome was the empire. The advancements that had been made in Rome had superseded what man had ever seen before. And Paul had seen what God could do, and certainly in his own life, and was seeing how God used him to the point where pagans were turning their back on their pagans' ways, and and God had certainly done a miraculous work, and Paul said, I've got to see this in other places. He said, I've got to see this in Macedonia. But then I must also see Rome. Turn with me to chapter number 23. Chapter number 23 and verse number 10 and 11. We find along the way, as Paul often did, whenever he would preach the gospel, whenever he would preach a resurrected Christ, it stirred up wherever he was. The greatest stir was always among the religious people who were depending on the religion instead of on Christ. Verse 10 and 11, And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle. These people are going to kill him, go get him, and put him in prison. Verse 11, The night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for, there, how th for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Paul had seen what God was doing in his life. He saw God working through him. He said, I've got, other people have got to see this. 
I've got to take this to others. Not just Macedonia, but Rome. He causes a stir, as the Apostle Paul did, and in the quietness of his captivity, the Lord came to him and said, So must thou bear witness also at Rome. So now the Lord confirms what he first had a vision for in his own heart. Turn me to Acts chapter number 28, last chapter of this book. We're going to look at one verse of Scripture to complete the reading of our text. And as I mentioned, I'll mention several others throughout the message. And when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, and Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. Now there's a lot that took place to get us to chapter number 28, even in this chapter. But chapter number 28, verse 16, we find Paul is in Rome. He first had a desire in his heart to see God do in other places what God had done as he ministered where he was. Then the Lord confirmed to him along the way that, yes, you'll see Rome, because there had to be some doubt at some point. He confirmed that you will bear witness in Rome. And we get to the end of Acts chapter number 28, and we find in Scripture that Paul arrives in Rome. It seems very simple in the few minutes I've taken this morning to lay this groundwork. Paul had a desire. God confirmed the desire. Ta-da, there he is in Rome. But friend, as you and I know, there's a lot that took place between even the passage of Scripture we read this evening, this morning. To give better context, you read the Pauline epistles and you read all of those letters that he wrote by hand and we know he was in prison and we know that there was beatings and we'll refer to that in just a little bit. It did not just happen like that. So what is the secret? How did Paul continue on when we know it was not always easy? And I want to preach on this subject this morning. Keeping the end in sight. Keeping the end in sight. I believe a lot of Christians never find the success they could have in their Christian life is because they can't look past what they're facing today. There's a lot of churches that never achieve what the Lord would gladly and eagerly allow them to accomplish for His sake because they cannot look past the obstacle that they face today. My friend, you and I can achieve far beyond what we are worthy to achieve, what we're capable to achieve with the Lord's help, but you and I, in order to do it, is going to have to keep the end in sight. Let's ask the Lord to help us this morning. Father, I pray that as we continue to look into your word this morning, may it be very real to us. May the Spirit of God work in our heart, work in our life. And Father, I pray that today victory will be won because there will be some determination, there will be some realization that with you, there's always optimism. There's always hope. There's always another day. Father, I pray that you would use the message this morning. May the Spirit of God work in your church. If there's one unsaved in the service this morning, I pray that they would realize their need of salvation would call on you. 
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text this morning tells us that Paul had a desire. He felt a calling to take the gospel to Rome. We also read in Acts chapter 28 that he finally made it to Rome. And in verses 30 and 31, I'll not take the time to read it this morning, but you can make a note of it that we find that he is basically under house arrest for two years. He is in Rome teaching and preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What an opportunity. And I'm I'm certain along the way that there had to be times where it entered into his mind that he never thought he would get there, much less have two years where he could teach and preach to anybody who was willing to listen. Paul would later die while in prison, but after fulfilling the desire to take the gospel to Rome. Today, we are recipients of Paul's vision. See, it was from Rome... The gospel traveled to the known world. And we not only have received it, but we are now entrusted with its care. I praise God for the Apostle Paul and his vision and his fulfilled purpose. Because we have we have we're recipients of the benefit. Now I want to focus this morning and remind us that our focus this morning is not on the fulfillment of a calling but on the difficulty of the journey to get there. This morning, and I've preached much throughout the life of the Apostle Paul, and certainly we could take our time this morning and just rejoice in what God allowed Paul to accomplish. You do realize this morning, church, that when we all are in eternity and we all are with our Lord, that there are going to be Christians there those who are the redeemed, who Paul led to Christ at that humble little house. There are going to be prison guards who, when Paul was in prison, uh, that trusted Jesus as their Savior. And God used all of his life, and he used his difficulty, and he used the, the, the desire to get to Rome, how God has used that. In history, we can trace from the New Testament even to the local church of today. But I believe when we get in eternity, the veil is going to be pulled back and there are going to be things that we are made privy to that we have no idea. And I think we can tie them back to what takes place on the pages of Scripture. My focus this morning is not on the end. My focus this morning, we want to draw our attention to the journey that was necessary to get to the end. I want to remind us this morning that while we rejoice in the answered prayers of Paul as he arrived in Rome, may we not forget the difficulty that he endured to get there. May we understand and get a sense of the fulfillment that no no doubt Paul had when he arrived to Rome. No doubt he could die knowing that his vision, his desire had been fulfilled. The Lord had visited him when he was in prison and said, you will take the gospel to Rome. And the Lord was faithful to his word. And he could enter into glory knowing that he had fulfilled the purpose that God had placed on his life. But I must remind us of how difficult the road was to get to Rome. May I say this morning, I'm afraid many Christians never see their Rome because they do not endure the hardness that is necessary to get there. 
There's many parents who don't rear their children in the nurture of the admonition of the Lord because along the way, it's a bumpy road. There are churches that never see the fulfillment of what God would do with a dedicated, surrendered people because let's just be honest, to attack the gates of hell is not always a pleasant experience. It's not an easy thing. If, if, if it was easy to be a light in this world, quite frankly, everybody would be doing it. See, Paul did not simply just go online and book a trip to Rome. He had to have a path of hardships to get there. I don't know what you're facing today, Christian. I don't know what those who are watching this morning online, I don't know what you're dealing with today, but I've I, I pastored long enough. I'm, I know people well enough to know that I'm very aware that there are burdens that were carried in this morning. I, I know that there is, there's a heaviness in many hearts today. I know there's an uncertainty about the future in many situations, and sometimes life is just all that we can handle today. And you, and you hear the promises, and you hear them preach, and you read them in your own Bible of how God will get you through, and, and God will sustain you, and, and, and the end is worth the sacrifice. But let's just be honest this morning. We are flesh. We have limitations and sometimes the road is so difficult, we don't know how we're going to get to the end. I guess that promise that I was holding to, I guess I'm never going to see it. I, I guess I, I, it's just not going to happen for me. But let me remind you what Paul told us in the book of 2 Corinthians. In chapter number 6 and chapter number 11, and I'll not take time to read it this morning because I'm already running behind, but he speaks of his imprisonment. He tells us of how many times he received 39 stripes by the Jews and how many times he received the beatings and the afflictions that he endured. And might I just say to us as a church, as we get ready to embark on doing a big work for God, everybody likes the idea of taking the gospel to Rome. But not everybody's willing to make the sacrifices necessary to get there. Every Christian likes the idea of seeing victory for the Lord and, and hearing the well done, thou good and faithful servant, but not every Christian likes the idea and is willing to endure the hardships, the sacrifices, those things that are necessary to see the fulfillment of the vision that God puts in your heart, to see the call that God places on your life come to fulfillment. Not everybody is willing to make the sacrifices that are necessary to see Rome. We have some context as we look back to last year and the several months that on a Wednesday evening we spent in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Y'all remember that? And we looked at the ministry companions that Paul spoke of at the end of his life. I refer to this because in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, we know that Paul is awaiting his execution. He knows very soon he's going to leave 
this side of eternity and enter into eternity and, and spend eternity with his Lord. And he speaks of the, how he is ready to do that. We get the insight of his mindset as he speaks of the crown of righteousness that awaited him. I refer to this because I want to remind us that Paul never lost sight of the end. He could sit in a dungeon and he could have joy as he writes in Philippians because he never lost sight of the end. He could be beaten and imprisoned and as soon as they cut him loose, he would preach the name of Jesus again because he never lost sight of the end. He could be shipwrecked, clinging to a broken piece of of lumber and and floated out there in the sea and come up on the shore and and, it, and as soon as he in Acts chapter twenty eight uh, spells that out how it was accomplished and in the moment that he could he would carry on to get to Rome because he never lost sight of the end. I enjoy talking about what the apostle Paul's accomplished for the Lord. I enjoy studying even church history and reflecting on what God could do with an ordinary man, an ordinary woman, for His honor and for His glory. But every once in a while, I believe it's good for us to pause and ask the question, what was left undone that could have been accomplished for the Lord because a Christian lost sight of the end? Because a church in the midst of a trial lost sight of the end. They lost sight of what God could do. A Christian mom, a Christian dad brings that child home from the hospital and they have dreams and they have goals and they have visions. But what they will soon discover is there are some sleepless nights. There's some doctor's visits. There's fevered brows. He's literally fighting Satan himself as he tries to capture the heart and mind of your child. Don't lose sight of the end. Don't lose sight. Today there are Christians and no doubt that life is hard. And may I say to you, when life gets hard, picture your Rome. Parents, when the challenges come, picture your Rome. Christian, when your health fails you, don't quit. Don't give up. Keep sight of the end. Picture your Rome. Church, if persecution comes, we must continue because there's a Rome that needs to be reached. We must keep sight of the Rome when God requires sacrifice and He re requires labor. Uh, let us not look at that obstacle that is right in front of us, but let us keep sight of that which we know God has instructed us to do. Let's keep sight of Rome. This morning, I've taken some time to lay a foundation for the message and I have a very brief outline that I'll give you very quickly. But I've taken the time this morning to remind us that the Apostle Pauls that we read about aren't the Apostle Pauls because they quit. We, 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 we have a three-verse summary of the life of Demas because he quit. As I pointed out, in previous studies, there was a time when Demas was side by side with Paul. And Demas saw the same things that Paul saw. But having loved this present world, maybe it was the fact that he didn't want to make the sacrifices. He, it was too much to pay, but 
Paul always saw the end, and he always went back and said, look at what God is doing. Look at what God has done in my own life. Look at those that are turning from the paganism of this world and accepting a risen Savior. I want everybody to see this. If God will use me, I've got to go to Macedonia. I've got to go to Rome. I've got to get to Rome. At that moment, Paul did not fully understand the price that would be paid in order for him to get there. Let me mention very quickly, if you want to keep the end in sight this morning, there's some things that you need to keep focus on. Number one, let me say you must focus on the will. The will I speak of is the will of the Father. In Romans chapter number 12, familiar verses, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I believe one thing that allowed Paul to keep the end in sight is the fact that he continued to focus on the will of God. I must do the will of the Father. You must do the will of the Father. Your life may change tomorrow, but let me tell you, this book does not change. Uh, your world may be turned upside down tomorrow, but let me tell you, everything's all right when it comes to the things of God. His commands never change. Well, Pastor, what's going to happen with all this political upheaval? That book is still the same. The child of God has still got the same will, the same commands, the same direction. The church, it, it, we are not a social gathering, friend. You and I are the light of this world, and we're to take the light of the gospel to this entire world. We are to stand on this book. We are to show the love of Christ. Will's not going to change. Even the Lord was our example in this. I'll never forget a year ago, a few of you were there as I stood in the Garden of Gethsemane. Somewhere in that vicinity, our Lord knelt and prayed. It be the will of God to let that cup pass. But he said, nevertheless, it be thine will. And friend, whatever will the Father has for you and I, if we keep focus of the will of God when the imprisonments come and the beatings come and the persecutions come or put it in context of your life and my life when the disappointments come, when the hardships come and the heartaches come, we don't quit because we're focused on the will of God. And I've got to do the will of God. And friend, it, it, it rains on the just and the unjust. Life is going to happen to you and I if you live long enough and we can please God or we can dishonor Him by how we do or we don't live the life God's given us in His will. If we're going to keep the end in sight, first of all, focus on the will of the Father. Second of all, focus on the walk. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. We'll look at verse number 1. How is it that Paul was able to keep his sight on Rome, keep his sight on the end? I, I look at some Christians and I, like, I see what they endure. I see what life has brought them. I see the, what God has brought them through. I see the trial that God allows them to walk through. 
it's a natural thought for us to say, how are they doing that? Well, certainly the Lord enables them. And by the way, when it's you, He will enable you. What you need to focus on is the end. And in doing that, I must focus on my walk. Notice verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. You know what will help you and I when we are facing difficulty, we're facing heartache, we're facing, we're carrying burdens? Focus on your walk. Let me tell you who I'm supposed to please in this world. As much as I have a heart to please you, as much as I have a heart to please those around me, I must first seek to please God. And how I please God is how I walk. And I'm not talking about the, the pace of my steps. I'm talking about the worthiness of my walk, the worthiness of my conversation, the worthiness of my action. I walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another. I draw your attention to the book of Colossians, chapter number 1, in verse 10. We find the same human author here in verse number 10, that ye walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. In 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 2, in verse number 12, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto His kingdom and glory. Friend, this will help you this morning if you'll allow it to help you. See, it really doesn't matter how heavy the burden is if you're focused on your walk. It really doesn't matter how long that valley is if you're just focusing on your walk. It really doesn't matter how many tears you shed. Just focus on your walk. Pastor, I don't know how I'm going to get through the year. Walk worthy today. I don't know how I'm going to get through the, the week. Walk worthy today. Pastor, how are we going to accomplish all that God wants us to accomplish? Focus on your walk. I think more Christians would discover the burden is a little lighter. They focus more on the walk. They walk worthy of the Lord, walk worthy of God. We do realize that we bear the name of Christ I mean, how many of you are saved this morning on your way to heaven? We're not worthy of that salvation. Don't ever get to a place where I deserve to be saved. You and I deserve to spend eternity paying for our own sins in a horrible place called hell. But for the grace of God, we have salvation. You realize what we've already, some of you, it's been so long, you've already forgotten what we sang about earlier. We sing about our salvation. We sing about wonderful words of life. I forgot all the other things we sing about, but I remember that. You know, you and I, we're not worthy to speak his name. I think if you and I focused more on walking worthy, we'd have a lot less haughtiness in our Christianity. We'd be a lot more humble in accepting what God brings our way. See, my, my, my focus isn't to, Paul's focus wasn't necessarily to win Rome, it was just to get to Rome. Just to continue in faithfulness. If you're going to keep the end of sight, you must focus on the walk. Number three, focus on the world. 
Let me clarify that, lest some of you use that as an excuse for carnality. We focus on the world. We focus on others. We live in a day, as in has been every day, where a church has no luxury of just focusing on itself. We must focus on others. Have you noticed how lacking in love this world is? A lost man, a lost woman, a lost child is not finding love in this world. Have you noticed how dark the world is? Friend, if the church which is the light isn't going to cast the light, where do we think light's coming from? If those who have experienced and received the love of Christ are not going to show the love of Christ, where are others going to see it? If those who have the gospel and have been entrusted with the gospel and receive the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ are not preaching it and teaching it and sharing it, where do we think that man is going to find it? We have, we are reaping in our own nation the results of churches being more concerned about themselves and less concerned about the world around them. We complain about the spiritual temperature of our nation, but I remind you that God says judgment is going to begin at the house of God because it's the house of God who has failed. Let me tell you how to carry your burden. Help somebody else carry theirs. Let me tell you how to mend your broken heart. Help somebody else mend theirs. Let me tell you how to experience the grace of God. You intercede on behalf of the others to the throne of God. And you'll find that the burden gets a little heavier, it gets a little lighter. You'll find that the walk gets a little bit easier. When we're focused on others, I remind you as a church this morning that Acts chapter 1, verse number 8 is not a suggestion, it's a mandate for the church to after receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. So we must have the Spirit of God involved in this work and we're to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. That is a mandate. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, the Great Commission tells us to, to teach and to preach and to baptize them. And we are to not just win the lost, we're to make disciples out of them. That is something that we are expected to do. And I remind you in 2 Timothy 4, which I've already referred to, Paul mentioning all of his ministry companions. Who were those? Those were people who made a difference in his life and who people who he made a difference in their life. And friend, what a pattern for you and I as the church. We're to go make a difference in this world. We're to take the gospel to this world. We're to bring the love of Christ to this world. We're to bring the light of Christ to this world. And we're to minister to one another. What a great example. You want to reach the end, you need to be reminded, somebody is counting on you to get to Rome. 
Somebody's counting on you to finish your course. Somebody's counting on you to keep the faith. Somebody's counting on you to just carry that burden and carry that load and plow through that field that God has given you. You must focus on the world. Friend, I, I, wish, I wish it sounded more spiritual than this, but I couldn't quit if I wanted to. Because Somebody's counting on me. And you can't quit either because somebody's counting on you. And Pastor, I don't know how I'm going to get all the way. I don't know how I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I don't know how as a church. And next week, I promise you this, when you see what the Lord has put on my heart, you're going to immediately think, God's got to get in on this. How are we going to do this? Well, we got to have God. we got to have God in our work. How do we do it? We focus on the world. You, you realize something? that God's not going to give us His power if, if, just so we can say we got it. Pastor, we could never make an impact. Well, let's go see. Let's try. You know, God's not empowering anybody who's not trying to help anybody else. You know, and, and you know, I'll let you in on a little secret. As long as you don't tell anybody else, okay? God doesn't empower anybody so they can run around and talk in an unknown tongue. He empowers us to win others. He empowers us to reach others. He'll take a church persecutor like Saul, save him, put him in the ministry, put a vision in his heart. Man, I got every look what God's doing. I got to tell every I I got to get to Rome. And, and, and we don't know because Scripture doesn't tell us, but I thank God that there wasn't an older preacher that said, now that's just too ambitious, Brother Paul. You can't go to Rome. Well, God said you're going to go to Rome. You got the Rome. Hey, focus on the world. You might be amazed what would happen if you take the focus off of you and you put it on somebody else. Pastor, I couldn't teach a Sunday school class. How you know if you're not going to do it? Well, I, I can't. I, I can't. I can't talk in front of people. Well, let's study the Word of God and let's teach a few people the Word of God. You might be amazed at what God would empower you to do. I just don't know if I could share my faith. I don't know if I could talk to somebody about. Well, have you tried? Well, no. Well, how do you know? You might be amazed at what God would give you the power and the spirit to do. Well, why is he going to give it to you if you don't need it? If we're going to keep the end in sight, we must focus on the world. And I'm out of time, and I'll mention number four to you. If we're going to keep the end in sight, we must focus on the wedding. Pastor, what do you mean by the wedding? In the gospel, Jesus refers to himself as the bridegroom. He's coming back for his church. We're reminded in the book of 1 Thessalonians, specifically chapter number 4, that the trumpet is going to sound. The dead in Christ shall rise, and those that are alive remain shall be caught up with Him. Jesus is coming back. He is going to return. Well, Pastor, I just don't know if I have the endurance. You better focus on the fact that He's coming back. 
And friend, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just counting on the fact that he's going to come back in my lifetime. And when he comes back, I don't want him to find me discouraged. I don't want him to find him having, having been defeated and quit. I don't, want to, I, want, I don't want him to find me not doing his will, not doing his work. If my own spirituality won't get me up in the morning, let me just focus on the fact that Jesus could come back today and I've got to keep going because I've got to keep focused on that fact. And friend, if that's the only motivation you have, that's a pretty good motivation, the fact that Jesus is going to come back again. And this could be the last Sunday we have together on this side of eternity as his church because he could come back today. We look at the world and oftentimes I'm asked, Pastor, have you... Have you, have, you, have, you, have you watched the news? Have you heard what they're saying? And it's like, no. Every time I do, my IQ drops. I just, I just can't, I can't do it. I'm not into fiction. I, I prefer nonfiction. Have you seen what's, what, everything that's going on? Have you, have you seen and heard how bad it is? What do you think of all of that? Well, I think it sounds like wedding music. Because it's getting close. And friend, this morning, if you've never got your salvation settled, listen very carefully to this preacher. This isn't just some rhetoric or some speech that's been prepared to, to get people excited. The reality is Jesus came the first time. He's coming the second time. And you better be ready. You better be prepared. You better have, have taken care of, secured your own soul and and got forgiveness of your sins, you say, well, I'm, I'm trying to do the best I can. No man can, is worthy of salvation. No man can get to the Father. Jesus reminds us of that in John chapter 14. I thank God that when I was young, I heard the gospel and I trusted Christ as my Savior. If you've never done that, I would implore you to get that settled today. Christian, focus on the wedding. Focus on that second coming. Pastor, I don't know how we're going to make a difference in this world. Well, how about we keep our eye on Rome? How about we keep our focus on the end? I'm in a valley this morning. I don't know how I'm going to face the things I've got to face today and next week and in the near future. Friend, the best you can, you're going to have to look past that. You're going to have to look at the Son of God who paid your sin debt, who saves you when you're unworthy, and will walk every step with you. And you may feel like a failure at times because you don't do it like you think you ought to do it, and you do get a little discouraged, and the obstacle does seem a little too big. Keep your eyes on the end, keep your eyes on Him. As a church, we're going to fix it in the end, and I joke about it, that for the next decade or so, we're going to embark on, on accomplishing these things that God wants us to accomplish. And let me tell you, there's going to be some obstacles along the way. There's going to be some doubt. There's going to be some critics who say, that'll never be accomplished. It is 2021. Let me tell you, the focus of your pastor, I'm looking at Rome. I'm looking at the end. I've already walked down those hallways. I've already sat in those buildings. I've already seen the souls walk the aisle and be saved. I've already seen the little boys and little girls come to Jesus. I've already seen him. I've seen the end. And friend, you can have victory. You can accomplish for the Lord what he would have you accomplish. You can rear your children for the Lord in this wicked world. But you got to keep your eyes on Rome. 
How did Paul write about joy while in the dungeon? He wasn't in the dungeon. He was in Rome. Because he knew in order to get to Rome, he had to just go one more day. He was one step closer. In Acts chapter number 28, you read of that shipwreck. You read of him, Paul, getting bit by a serpent. I mean, each human like you and I, I wonder the thought went through his head. God, Rome's right there. And now there's a serpent hanging off my arm. That's how you and I feel sometimes. Well, God brought me all this way for me to get bit by a snake right now. No, maybe he just has one more miracle to do before he gets you to Rome. Friend, you don't know what God will continue to do in your own life. But you're going to have to keep your focus on the end. I've just told you what my motivation is. My motivation is not the applause of the brethren. My motivation is not even to be voted alumnus of the year. My motivation is one day to humbly kneel in front of my Savior and hopefully hear Him say, well done. Well done. You know what that would be for me? Making it to Rome. The fulfillment of God's plan for my life. When God planned you, when God planned me, He did not plan a smooth pathway. God knows how sorry we would be if we, He never put us in a situation to depend on Him. Keep your eyes on Rome this morning. Father, I pray that.